You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. It's opening night, and a big star drops dead on stage. Oh my god, my leading man is dead! Is this really happening? Well, you know, who are we without a homicide? NYPD! The killer is someone in this room. My show is hanging on by a thread here. Finding this killer is the only way you'll have a show. Want to make a podcast with me? Oh my god, this is corny. So corny. <laughs> I know it is. Yeah. Murder? Yeah, murder. Yeah. Look at this cast. They're all killers. But who would want to kill Ben? Maybe it was Loretta. Please, please don't give up on me. I'm not good at table reads. Storms coming. Don't take us a nap for the woman in the rocks. She's a stinkeroonie. Mm. I say give her the bootay. Maybe it was Kimber, the TikTok-addicted starlet. Does she do it as part of an internet mem? Why are you saying it like that? I think I got a lead. Hobbit? You're investigating with this guy? So, Oliver and Charles, what do you talk about? Murder, mostly. And how to connect to Bluetooth. We talk about that a lot. We're onto something here. But I need you to draw attention to yourself. That's no biggie. That's a smallie. It's a very small thing. Because that... Because it's a... Your show is a death trap. Today alone, I almost died three times. Really? Hello? God, I was trapped. Years went by. Do I have a beard? Is SNL still on? You are gone for 20 minutes. Theater is all about choices. What you share and what you hide. It's a clue. Those choices change everything. We've got to get her talking. I can just girl talk. Can you? Yeah. You guys okay out here? Hey, Mama, yeah, we're like, uh, yes, they work and slay over here, like, yeah. Oh, I don't think so. At least you had the consideration to keep the body out of the building this time. You always know just what to say. Hey there, listeners. Welcome to another episode. This one's going to be great. We are going back to New York City and visiting with our friends Charles, Oliver, and Mabel. That's right. And this time we're going to Broadway. <laughs> it's going to be exciting. We are actually going to talk all about Only Murders in the Building Season 3. Can't believe it's the third season already. It's it's so interesting to talk about. And it's going to be a great crew to talk all about it tonight. Welcome back to the show, Felicity. Hello. Great to be back. And, of course, Sarah Rose. Is this your first time on Earth Station One? It is my first time on Earth Station One. Yes, it is. Oh, welcome, welcome. You want to tell everyone a little bit about you? Um, well, uh, I'm Sarah Rose, as as Mike already introduced me. Um, I'm just a, a normal geek, a lover of all things, especially theater, which I'm sure we'll get into. This is that's what lumped me into watching uh, Only Murderers in the Building. 
um, put something in the theater and I'm going to watch it. But uh, also a big fan of uh, mysteries and stuff growing up. So, yeah. It's going to be great. It is going to be great to have you here. And of course, Mr. Mike Gordon is here. How are you, my friend? Howdy. And as we like to say, if you haven't watched Only Murders in the Building Season 3 yet, or haven't watched the finale at least, go watch it. It is <laughs> awesome, folks. You are going to be missing out on something if you don't. So please, 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 please check it out. We are going to spoil the hell out of this one, as we like to say. You've been warned. You can put warnings up on for our YouTube people in the video. So you've been warned a lot of times. So, you know, <laughs> definitely. Mr. Mike, ready to take it away, sir? Oh, yeah, yeah. I definitely need to get started before you try to attempt a patter song. Um, <laughs> I thought about it, but I went to the white room. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you want to stay there, that will we'll be good. Uh, <laughs> um, Sarah, this is your, since it's your first time joining us, um, what is your um, thoughts about the series as a whole? The series in the whole, as a whole, I think uh, kind of filled that niche that has been missing from recent th um recent theater recent tv um in my opinion growing up i was a huge fan of murder mystery shows so whether you go back to murder she wrote or diagnosis murder or the one where there was a uh, crime solving priest i don't remember what it's called but uh those were all like mainstay parts of tv when i was growing up and like all of a sudden like murder mystery like it kind of just turned into crime tv <laughs> mm -hmm. um and it lost like the comedy aspect of it and so i really i i think that uh this show in general just fits that niche and obviously um i love the cast every every season they do an amazing job casting especially this last season mm -hmm. so yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, Felicity, what about you? What uh, What are your thoughts overall? What What drew you to start watching this series? It was absolutely the combination of Steve Martin and Martin Short, uh, having been fans of them individually and together. Uh, Kevin and I have seen them on their their touring show. They just they have such a amazing relationship, and I love kind of I I especially love the antagonism that they bring into the characters. How just you know. Every just about they, they never miss a chance to insult each other, but it's done with with love. You can tell from the uh, the actors themselves, and mm. I just uh, yeah, they're a great double act. And I was uh, really pleasantly surprised by Selena Gomez because I I wasn't aware of her really as a, as a child actor. That was uh, I was too old to watch <laughs> whatever she was on <laughs> when she was a kid. And one of those uh, Disney really kids, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, really impressed by her. Her she she has just she has screen presence. She has a really interesting voice. Uh, she just she really kind of fits nicely into that uh, into that trio. Yeah, I think so as well, uh, Mike. We've talked about this series. I think uh, for we did a review of the was it the first or second season for our, our patrons, right? Is we that did right? season one for Patreon originally, and then we re ran it during the COVID era and you know, basically <laughs> when we didn't want to do an episode or something. So we ran it as an extra episode. And then we did review uh, the second episode, I think with Mary Ogle. 
I think she was on that one. The second season, yeah. Yes. And yeah. So- and 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 we both I mean, I know that there's been some some mention about, you know, the quality or whatever, but I think we both agree that it's it's still pretty high for, you know, going into the third season, right? Oh, completely, completely. I think they t- it's interesting cuz each season they reinvent the show in a lot of ways and it's not the same show and adding the theater aspect to it this season was a lot of fun and a lot of originality to it. And it was nice to get them out of the building, truthfully. Yeah. Which was, which was, you know, the first two seasons they were in the building, you know, they, they wandered out trying to figure out, you know, the different parts of the mysteries and they actually, you know, they changed it up and I liked how they tried, they broke up the crew a little bit this season too, which was nice. It gave each one, especially Selena Gomez, some real moments to shine this season, which is pretty cool. Like we usually do, we will be spoiling the heck out of this. So if you want to know who done it, um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna let you know. I think it was one of the triplets, truthfully. <laughs> which, 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 which of the pick? Oh, no, 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 see, see, we're starting to patter now. We're starting to patter. No, no pattering. No pattering. <laughs> um. Well, that's yeah. So that leads me into so we're going into season three now. Prior, I believe, prior to season three starting. I believe, I don't know if it was a huge, or maybe it was just something I had overheard. I don't even know the exact quote or whatever, but there was a, there was a cloud overhead of this season right from the beginning that Steve Martin said, this is going to be his last, the last thing he ever does. He's going to retire. This is it. Right. Um, So going in, knowing that this might be, look like it was going to be the last season of only murders in the building, not to mention just the last thing that Steve Martin might ever do. Uh, Felicity, we'll start with you. What were your thoughts going into this season? And, and overall, were, were you satisfied? I hadn't heard any rumors, actually. I, I tend to just not, not look for information on, on things that I plan on watching. Uh, I kind of picked that up from Kevin, actually, because he's very, very spoiler phobic and, so I don't I don't go out of my way to avoid things, but I don't go out of my way to find things either. So mm-hmm. kind of if it doesn't come across my feed, I don't see it. Um, so I I wasn't, you know, I thought maybe this will be the last one just because you don't know. You never know going in how long they can keep it going. But uh, I didn't have any expectations of this being the final season. Um, I was certainly intrigued by the setup. From season two, right? Knowing that Paul, yeah, Paul Rudd is, you know, a national treasure, <laughs> and sexiest man alive. Well, that he, I mean, I think he, that was a couple years ago. Knowing right? that he was, um, you know, not only the the murder victim, but some someone who was set up to be pretty unlikable. You know, that was intriguing to me, and and I'd heard Meryl Streep was going to be in it too, so I was excited to see what she would do, and I was not disappointed. I thought she was fantastic. Um, and overall, I, I, I think I enjoyed the season a little more than last one, but I, there were a couple of aspects that I didn't care for and thought it was, it was dragging a bit in the early episodes and it really kind of kicked back into gear in in episode six for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sarah, what about you? So, uh, spoiler alert, I didn't start watching until season three, so I had no idea that um 
that he said that this was going to be the last thing that he did. So if this is going to be the last thing he does, by all means, a great way to go out because it shows his comedic talents as well as his acting chops, in my opinion, and lets him have a bunch of fun with his friend. So like, by all means, as far as going from season two to season three, um, when I watched season two, I, um, I don't know, like season two wasn't my favorite season. I'm going to be honest out of the three of them. It was the one where I picked out who the murderer was like pretty early on, like figured it out. Um, so season three, I thought it really, it allowed us to explore things beyond, especially, as you said, Selena Gomez, her character, Mabel, we got to see more of Mabel um, beyond just like her childhood growing up. Cause obviously we had seen that with her dad dying and the puzzles and stuff like that in season two, but we actually got to see her as modern day Mabel kind of do her own thing. And I really enjoyed that. Um, and like the whole, um, um, and I'm terrible with names, so I apologize. Um, Charles um, kind of, he, he he got beyond the Brazos thing. Like, you know, the, they just, um, they allowed him to, like, fully develop more, I felt like. So, I mean, I, I just, I really enjoyed this season. I thought that they did a really good job. And if this is the last thing Steve Martin ever does, I'm okay with that. (laughs) Well, looking back on it now, like I said, I don't know how true any of that was. And looking back on it now, I believe if there was, if there was such a statement made or anything like that, I believe it was just a setup to make us believe that he was going to be, he was actually, his character was killed at the end of the season. Um, Because there is that sort of moment at the end where you're like, oh my God, did they just kill Charles? Um, Just for a split second. Um, Yeah. Until you uh, really see the body on the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you realize, uh, although oh, the, somebody although just the, shot Jane Lynch. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All the signs are there. I mean, when yeah. Jane Lynch shows up, it's like, oh, yeah, that's obviously. And then when, you know, when uh, the person at the end doesn't, oh, like, turn on the light immediately when they get in the room, it's like, oh, yeah, they're trying to hide who it is. Um, so, so yeah, but a lot of times when you're watching, sometimes stuff like that, especially when the show's done really well, it's really good at doing what a good magician does, which, yeah, the, the clues are there as to how to solve the magic, but but you don't see them because you're distracted by this hand, right? Yeah. So, um, I find but, that my pattern... Oh, sorry. But no, go ahead. I found that my my pattern with this show, and this season in particular, is that I figure it out a couple of minutes before they reveal it, before the characters do, basically. <laughs> so, you know, I saw when I, in the final episode, when I saw the, when they showed the lipstick on the um, the handkerchief, I'm like, oh, it wasn't, she, it was her son. Was right. the kid. Because was he had it, because yeah. we saw her, how she kisses the handkerchief in his pocket. Mm. And yeah. she looked surprised. I mean, she looked, she looked just mm-hmm. as horrified as as the rest of them were. Um, yeah, because she didn't know at that point that her that he was the one who who ultimately killed him. Right, um, right. And and in the previous episode, I figured out that she was. 
I figured out that she was the poisoner just before they revealed that as well. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know I if think... it's just I don't know if it's just that that's when kind of the the critical mass of the little clues yeah, add up or whether in. it was a little too predictable. But like uh, I said, I didn't find I didn't figure things out way in advance. I'm gonna be honest, this is the only one that I didn't figure out right away. Like I kind of oh. figured the son was the killer. Okay, like I kind of figured that out, but her being the poisoner, I did not figure that out until they started setting it up in the episode. And as somebody who like yay ADHD patterning, <laughs> I recognize patterns. Um, that was surprising for me that I didn't figure out she was the one who poisoned him. I learned I learned very early in season one that even though I do, you know, kind of like guessing, um, along with everybody else, I, I, the, the show is so enjoyable that I just kind of don't, I don't want to say I don't care because I do care, but it's like, I don't want to kill myself and trying to figure it out because it's just, I just want to see where it goes. Um, mm-hmm, I'm just, a, yeah. basically, I just, you know, put me in the car and, and then I'll ride on the track, you know, like, a uh, like a, a good attraction. Um, Mike, what about you? Cause um, I know, cause we had talked about, I think this being the last season, right? Like, so you had heard that too, right? I had heard rumors that this was supposed to be the last season. And so when they did the, you know, I thought, okay, it was a really good close up. It was a good finale. And this was a good, you know, they took their bows literally. And, you know, that would be a perfect ending to the show. And then when they went to the, cause I had not heard that even season four was in the running at all and so when they you know killed off jane lynch's character at the end it was like oh crap we're getting another season which is yeah. awesome which is awesome you yeah know, i didn't they weren't going to leave that hanging and, you know, and it, it's pretty clear that since they announced it so quickly after that mm-hmm. that it was going to be renewed that they knew all along they just oh, didn't release the information yeah exactly and you hit it right there on the head with that because it literally was you know so bam you know they let it sink in that there was going to be you know and then literally within 24 hours there's going to be a season four (laughs) yeah exactly exactly exactly. again i didn't see that news till after i watched the finale about an hour ago (laughs) and well i saw it the day of but it was it didn't ruin it for me or anything so Mm -hmm. and this season was just brilliant this was so many false starts and so many leads and so many characters on who could have done it. And so many people had motivation in this one to do it even more than the first two seasons. And, you know, and even some of the minor characters I was fully suspecting as like, almost like I had a, my little scorecard, like, okay, what about this person? What about this person? And it's you just, have, did you have a, a, a an actual board, a bulletin board at your house, like in your house and you're putting <laughs> well, the pictures? Let me and... turn my camera to show. No. <laughs> <laughs> or no, in your case, they're like, you use pop figures. I use pop figures. Of each <laughs> I, I suspected Taubert for, for a bit and then thought that they won't do like one of the love interests is the killer again. Right. He also didn't seem yeah. to, he seemed to have le- the least motive to. No, very much so. But they well, introduced a very interesting possible love triangle there too. Mm-hmm. But that's the one thing I didn't, I didn't really vibe on the, the plot with, with Andrea Thomas. Um, 
I'm not getting her name right, am I? Uh... Oh, from second... Joy. Joy. Yeah, yes. Joy. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh. I, I mean, she was there. You know, they uh, Charles asked her out at the end of the second season, and they're there. She's there at the play, but so mm-hmm. is um, so Andrew is Martin. Charles's sort sort of stepdaughter, and we don't see her this season, which was kind of disappointing to me after they established their relationship in the season. second season. Yep. Um, but then Joy. I mean, I didn't really need to see. Charles have another kind of doomed romance, but I really liked that um, that Oliver got one. I really liked the, the relationship between him and and Meryl Streep's character. Well, and I was kind of wondering on the whole like ill fated Joy thing if it was because maybe they didn't realize at the end of season two that they were going to get Meryl Streep. <laughs> ah. Okay, like so, like they kind of like immediately they're like well we're we're not going to have these two men having romance in their life for both both uh both sides so obviously we're going to play with Meryl Streep more than we are <laughs> with this other actress who who did an amazing job but you know I felt she could have easily been one of those characters that was cut I would have rather seen yeah. his daughter than see her uh, and I would have been fine with them having a relationship, but just like not moving and not taking the step of moving in together and not having getting I'm the still engagement. Not sure what was up with, I'm not sure what was up with the white room that didn't pay off. Ultimately, like I thought maybe it would be like his mind palace and that that would figure into solving the murder somehow, but they just kind of dropped it after he accidentally proposes to Joy. <laughs> I I I uh I like the idea of it and it was something that you had to get over. Um mm-hmm. and that was uh I'll be honest with you that was probably the that and um you know his execution of the patter song was probably the only thing I really liked about Charles's arc this year mm-hmm. like this season. Like I love Steve Martin. Steve Martin is what brought me to this series. Not only him starring in it but also the fact that he co-wrote it or co-created it and you know because i know that he's written some murder mystery novels um and he's a very very i mean i don't need to say i mean i don't need to say how talented he is because we all know um however there have been times in in steve martin's career that i have not been extremely ecstatic with what he does and there's a series of movies that i think he did in the 90s and and so forth that i was just like ooh, man these are just not great um but, oh no, you're not talking about dirty rotten scoundrels, are you? Oh no, I'm not talking about that. And, and I do no, I'm talking about. One... I'm talking about the Pink Panther. I'm talking okay. about House oh, okay. Sitter. I'm talking about you know, uh, like he goes through a, a, a like a rush of these movies that are just like not great. Um, House Sitter is that the right one? The one with Queen Latifah, I think. Anyway, um, but uh, and I've you know I've said it many times before, and I'm not going to beat a dead horse with it. But I'm not a huge Martin Short fan. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and, thinking. and so, uh, I, I, I just, you know, I, I can tolerate him in things. Um, but I don't, he's not somebody that I'm like, Ooh, Martin shorts in it. That's a must for me. Um, in fact, it's usually the opposite. Now it just so happens that I think this season, uh, right at the start or whatever, um, there came an article in the slate on online that said, um, it was called why we keep putting up with Martin short. And it was pretty, it was pretty it 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 invited some pretty brutal criticism huh. about him mm-hmm. that I did not even I did not think was warranted. Um 
And I thought, well, gee, how ironic is that? Because this season of Only Murders in the Building is is Martin Short season. It's Oliver's season. Like mm-hmm. he is he is so good in this. He gets so much to do and he nails it, whether it's, you know, the drama of 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 uh directing, the uh the love angle, uh the the heart attacks, like he's got so much things going on in this one that um I, I just think man he got everything to do whereas whereas I think Steve Martin with Charles didn't get really a lot to do except for the tired thing that we've seen before with he's in a bad relationship and and quite frankly the episode where he's trapped in the closet I, for like most of the episode I I I just didn't think worked out, out well for like for me at all and usually Steve Martin nails that sort of thing and so I I didn't appreciate that I did think that this was another great season building on uh Mabel's story mm-hmm. and and her sort of trying to figure out what she's going to do with her life um kind of thing um and the three of them still have amazing chemistry Mike as you pointed out I think it was great to kind of really divide them Mm-hmm. Uh, for a while, more so than we've ever seen before, and and really put some 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 nails into that relationship. I thought was pretty really uh, interesting to watch, and I'm and I, and the way they came together, all three of them, was really rewarding. Um, and I did wonder, you know, I mean, it did seem like they were leading to some sort of finale, series finale, because they were all going away they all look like they were going to california or they were going somewhere at the end of this season so now i know that they're just that was just a way for them to not have to pay you know uh meryl street for another season uh they they have actually said that if she wants to come back they will absolutely bring her back oh Um, sure sure if she wants um, to (laughs) and um she apparently said during rap um that I can't wait for season four. So, you know, (laughs) again, this is, it's possible. She might come back. It might be one of these, like, Jane Lynch, like, I show up for an episode and then I'm gone type of things. Um, But I do want to say one thing about the White Room. Uh, That is an actual thing in the Mm -hmm. theater. Um, It it, it is a real theater uh, thing. Now, obviously, they played up on the comedy (laughs) of it. But that's one of the things I loved about this story, because obviously, as you said, it's an Oliver perspective, um, Mike. I mean, it's his story. They've been teasing his background in in the theater and everything else. And so this is his time to shine. And um, I loved, like, the little nuggets as a theater person of all the things you kind of, (laughs) you kind of see um, that they've kind of just pieced in for those people who, um, who are kind of like theater junkies. Like Mm -hmm. I, I personally, Mm -hmm. I really like, like like the, like the theater ghost Uh, and and have to, you have to appease the ghost before you could like go on Mm -hmm. with a, with a show and all this, like all this stuff and all these other traditions that are there behind the scenes. Um, And, 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 and I think also it really culminates you. I mean, for, for other people, yes, sure. But for theater people, the, the Matthew Broderick episode is just an appearance is just a hoot and a delight. Like it's just so good. Oh, we even got Mel Brooks so, in it. That episode. Yeah. Exactly. yeah the, 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 the topper on it was, was the, the video call with Mel Brooks. Exactly. <laughs> don't like, start. Don't let him have any input. Don't let him. <laughs> don't do it. 
Tell no, me. no, and I totally agree with that. But Oliver, like, you were in so much trouble. <laughs> and and like, I love, I love him. I love Ed Broderick being in the audience at the end. And uh, yes, I'm so glad I didn't do the show. <laughs> yeah, but like that—that's something that's real. Like where a, a theater person, they can do something completely right, and then we automatically we overanalyze it. And like that was just like that whole thing. And I thought Matthew Broderick. Number one, playing himself, I thought was really, really brave in that that regard. <laughs> like, um, he's played himself before, but um, like, just like being the the difficult person who constantly wants to do something better or or different and stretch themselves. And like, we saw that with Meryl Streep's character too. Like, I want to do things yeah, differently yeah. and like dive into my character. Like that. That's just like very theater. Because um, you yeah. always want to do something different than the person before you, so yeah. yeah and no, I, I just love how Oliver's you know attitude in that episode goes from elation to just like pure frustration. <laughs> and ultimately, I just I love the way he apologizes to Charles by totally making some shit up about some other situation. <laughs> like okay uh, we, we know he's talking about charles even if he's not gonna say no, exactly <laughs> it was funny as hell but just the reaction matthew broderick oh my god i'm so excited to have you here and he can leave <laughs> <laughs> get out <laughs> go home go <laughs> And then, like, it, him still not realizing it as he closed the door in his face, like, oh, I'll see you at 6 a.m. in the morning. Bye. <laughs> yeah, we, had, we had Sting in the first season. Was there a, was there a character playing them, an actor playing themselves in the second season? I don't remember. Yeah, well, um... Uh, oh, was Amy Schumer in it? Amy, Amy Schumer, Schumer, yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. We, yeah that's, been a, that's been sort of the running gag. Because the first yeah. season like, was Sting. Like Sting is in in the upstairs apartment. Uh, Amy Schumer is in it in that apartment in the second season, and of course, uh, Paul Rudd's character is in it in the uh, third season. Mm-hmm. So yeah, with big mystery coming up as to who's going to be in it in the fourth season. Uh, um, but yeah, that's always kind of interesting and fun. The uh, uh, Mike, what's something else about the the series that you enjoyed? You got, you know, to see the season, like you keep on everyone saying, you got to see each character out on their own. And I think, truthfully, Charles was the one who didn't shine in this, in that part. And I think Oliver Martin Short's character was just amazing this season. He was awesome. And because he was always in the first two seasons, very phonetic, very, you know, all over the place and everything. You got to meet his son, but you never really took him seriously in that. And this season, you took him seriously because he was in his element in the theater, and which was wonderful. And you got to see that he actually is a decent producer and he was able to take a really bad production where the star died on the very first (laughs) and was able to create a musical out of that from scratch. It wasn't like there was pre-existing music for this, which was awesome. And actually some of the tunes were actually kind of good in some ways. 
Yeah. Well, they even they even released them like as a whole, you know, because we never in the show we never saw a full song from start to finish without a cut. Right. Um, and they, they actually those... released the whole songs on uh, YouTube. Um, which yeah, you I can see them, really and they have a couple of them at least as extras on on Hulu as well. Yeah, one of the things that I really, really, really enjoyed was because it was such a, from a a character perspective, it was such a big moment for Charles to get through the patter song, which of the Pickwick triplets did it. Um, And he, you know, that's what causes him to go to the white room and et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) And then, you know, and then he has the big moment where he does get through it in order to buy time for, for the other characters. And, but yet while we're watching it, 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 it's cuts away from him. You know, yeah. like we we see part of him and then we see someone else like watching him or doing something else and et cetera, et cetera. But I love the fact that they released a cut of that scene um, that, or that a version of that scene where he it's just a straight shot. And you can see that Steve Martin can actually just nail this song. It, well, exactly. Um, exactly. And that's pretty awesome. It was awesome. And like everyone's been saying, Mabel was amazing this season. She was great. And she even, you even got, you know, a little bit of, you know, her possibly being tempted to go possibly work for the competition. Mm-hmm. And, and, but Tina it was, Fey. Tina Fey. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, I can never remember the actual character's name, but yeah. I don't, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if, yeah, that was weird Cindy because, Channing. yeah, 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 Cindy Channing shows up. Tina Fey shows up in them like like one episode and I didn't know if they were like obviously that was a, a cloud that was hanging over because she had that mm-hmm. um uh, Mabel had that option but yet she never really goes to it and I we don't see her again we don't see Tina Fey again and I did wonder if she was like oh I gotta go to Venice and solve a mystery with Poirot there so I'm gonna be <laughs> gone for the rest of the season but um but yeah I mean I always enjoy seeing you can seeing listen her to that episode show. folks or watch the video to find out our true feelings about Tina Fey in that movie, <laughs> they they are divisive. Yes. Oh, oh. Well. <laughs> I have to go back. And, I'm, already, uh, I'm, already, I'm already looking at you sideways about Martin Short. I think that you know, I <laughs> I wouldn't say that I I love Martin Short's performances in movies, but just as as a showbiz character, like he always had really hilarious appearances on talk shows, especially Conan, and it just it's just always a pleasure to see him. But yeah, I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm a fan of him as an actor, but as a person, I definitely am. Oh, yeah. I could totally understand. I completely agree with where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. And especially the chemistry he has with both, you know, Steve Martin and, you know, it's it's known they travel and they tour together yeah yeah just- and and that chemistry is is solid i mean i i you know it, what's amazing to me through the three seasons but even right from the beginning is that you know selena gomez who's quite frankly like half their age at least right like yeah um just oh, fits in with the two of them so well she i think selena gomez has a i don't know maybe i mean i don't want to speak for her as a person but Mabel anyway seems to have an old soul right like so she fits in with them um and and I really like the fact that you know despite the fact that she's a Disney kid the fact that she's a pop singer whatever she comes in and she's not your stereotypical kind of like like girl that you would see in one of the like a mystery or whatever she her her voice is and her her looks or whatever she's just she's just 
different but she fits and she owns it and it's i i think it's a great performance i think the three of them are awesome and yes i would like to see meryl streep come back in the fourth season or whenever um and i do like seeing people pop in and out but i love the core three and i don't want to see it become like four No. The wonderful thing about Selena Gomez in general, uh, she was after my Disney time, okay, by just my age in general. Mm -hmm. I was a Disney kid, okay, like Xenon, if you want (laughs) to, you want to age me, I'm the Xenon generation. So she was after my time. Um, But that being said, like, as somebody who was really into music, um, when she, like, she was like super hardcore Disney. And, um, you know, she, uh, when she started getting into music, she was, uh, she wanted to start a band, but she did not want to be the only band member. That was like a big thing with her. Um, and eventually she did go solo Selena Gomez and she's been music pretty much continuously since she went solo and, uh, people almost, sort of forgot about her acting. So I thought that this was a really great way for her to diversify herself. Mm-hmm. I mean, beyond like her her music and the boyfriend drama and, and all of that, she she showed that this is me, this is my heart, like this is I'm passionate about this and I'm really good at this. And I thought that she did an amazing job because of that. So. I wanted to touch on um something that I really liked this season was or found very touching was <clears throat> Meryl Streep's story of of giving up her child and mm-hmm. you know the relationship that she has to Dickie. Even but you know when you when you when you figure it when you find out it's like oh you know no wonder they're so close and you wonder why you didn't see it before. And I just thought that was very touching and the fact that that he knows before she tells him. Mm-hmm. You know. Yes, yes, the scene that where like you know she goes to reveal it and to him finally, but he already knows and it's <laughs> it, it is really really a wonderful yeah. scene and and it, realizing you know, that the book that her her, her apparent stock stalker book of paul Rudd is actually about dicky yeah that yeah. was a nice little switch actually i like that and, and it, it doesn't hurt that you've got like you know meryl streep doing the legwork on on that oh, emotion yeah. <laughs> on the Absolutely. emotion on that i mean she's i mean it, it's almost like one of those things where you, you almost like take her for granted like yeah, she's I, so good she's so talented she's the best you know but yet you kind of you know forget when you actually like start watching her. you're like oh yes she is the best like she is so good um yeah. the fact that she's playing this actress who's good but undiscovered is just kind of an interesting you know flip for her like it's kind of kind of an interesting thing for her to play um but the fact that like whenever she does whether she's playing her character or whether she's you know uh her character is playing this this uh what is she uh a nanny right Mm -hmm. uh it's 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 just amazing to watch i mean she just is so captivating in this and they did a really good job with her with her character's writing and she did a really good job playing her because the biggest concern I had going into third season, knowing Meryl was going to be in it is, is she going to outshine everybody? Mm. Okay. Like, um, and is she just going to steal like all the limelight? And they did a really good job of 
including her because obviously they want to she's a huge selling point for this season Mm -hmm. but um she really did a great job when she was in scenes and stuff like that not stealing the the spotlight sharing the spotlight and um obviously we heard her saying which if anybody has heard Meryl saying I mean (laughs) whether you've watched Mamma Mia or this or whatever she's amazing Mm -hmm. singer amazing actress um but she uh she did a really good job of being like a character on a show and not being the star which I thought thought is only like more in her corner <laughs> and yeah. you know yeah I agree and I think her yeah her arc I mean we kind of fell in love with her as Oliver fell in love with her even though yeah at the beginning she seems like she seems a little difficult mm-hmm. unlikable and then she seems a little sus and then but we realize, you know, that there's there's a good person there. And when we f- learn her whole story, we really we really are sympathetic to her at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. And it's interesting. I like how they made her into the, you know, the actress who was, you know, always like in high school. She was the number mm-hmm. one actress. She was like, oh, you're going to go places. You're going to be the one. And then she was the one who almost always made it almost always made the main part and she had such a love for the theater that you know probably over 40 years she tried and tried and tried and you know this was her big break after 40 years Mm -hmm. and everything and that was why you really i mean i i she was my first suspect i think that they set it up (laughs) oh yeah yeah i think everybody was kind of expecting her once it's once it's announced yeah once it's announced it's like usually uh, yeah it's the big it's the big star right of the Mm season of the season right like it's either gonna yeah and paul rudd's the victim meryl streep's gonna be the killer um uh but they give i mean they give every they i think it's when paul rudd comes back from from the poisoning (laughs) <laughs> they pretty quick, pretty quickly established that every everybody in the show had pretty much had a motive to kill him. I got to give them credit too for that because that was clever. I mean, that was yeah. that was a, a like when he came back to the party and he was alive and everybody's like, oh my god, and then he ends up being you know found dead in the elevator shaft or the elevator. I was like, okay, yes, of course they have to like, yes, to this the, is about the, the <laughs> this is about the Arconia. Like people mm-hmm. die in the Arconia. Like this, that's what this show is about. This is not going to deviate from that. <laughs> what is it with you three? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, poor Uma. She's just had it. Yeah, and she got to sit next to Uma. You, you got to be effing kidding me. I know. I know. <laughs> the klepto part yeah. of Uma yeah. too. Like I love that little like like that little part of oh her story. Her closet with all that crap she's taken, and it's just like, oh my Some god, that stuff looked familiar. We didn't even it? got to see Bunny this season. Yeah, for yes. like two seconds. <laughs> also, was, yeah. one thing I, one thing they built up early on, but kind of dropped was uh you know mabel's love of of the the show that girl cop show that paul rudd was Mm -hmm. in and like the the the, you know seeing seeing paul rudd after after ben was dead you know seeing ben after he was dead that's another thing that i felt like you know kind of like the white room didn't really ultimately go anywhere and Mm -hmm. was i think that's the thing with these murder shows i mean you're going to go in like you're going to go on on off of exits that actually don't go anywhere like you said and then you have to double back and then figure out like and that's you know i think the the fact that they do it in an entertaining way 
is is what I find compelling. But I mean, it's the typical Agatha Christie thing. It's like you go one way because you're thinking that, it, you know, that's why, you know, when when the detective at the end of the thing, you know, has everybody in the room and he, and he, case, and he, yeah. he talks about like why, what reason everybody in the room has for killing somebody, which the show does episode by episode with having them actually narrated by each of the characters, which I also like a lot, that device, mm-hmm. um, you know, you just, you explore all these characters. So you don't, you know, you can, you can narrow it down by the end because who hasn't gotten the narration yet? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like who hasn't gotten to narrate oh, and tell their yeah. story yet? You know, like, like mm-hmm. one by one where, where the show is telling you who didn't do it because, you know, we're getting that, um, we're getting it there. Um, I have to say, I know, um, you know, before we do run out of time, when we're not quite there yet, but before, before we do, um, I do want to mention uh, uh, Michael Creighton as Howard gets a much bigger part this yeah. season. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, and uh, he is great. Like, he I is. Love how, yeah. Like, I, I like him as out. being like, yeah. I like him. Like, I don't want there to be four. But mm-hmm. he's great as ha- sort of this sort of like underling among them. Like I want him to keep them. I want to keep him around in season four in that kind of role. Yeah. I know, and I love how they dangle the po- him being on the podcast. Uh, oh, <laughs> you, know, yeah. you want to be part of the podcast? Here you go. Hey, heck, they dangle him being on stage. Yeah, that was what I was going to say. Like, uh, <laughs> you need somebody who knows the mannerisms <laughs> and, and the lines and all of this and. Are you are you suggesting what I think you're suggesting, and then it's cut. <laughs> for a second, yeah. for a <laughs> and second, it's you're not like, him oh, after God. all. <laughs> of course, Oliver would not let that happen. No, 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 he wouldn't even occur to him at all. As, as we said, <laughs> right? it's no. all about it's all about Oliver. Uh, and and this season, I think, was all about Oliver. Like uh, to me, like this is his season, and he ta- and he and he he nailed it. I thought he was so good, and he carried it. So it'll be really interesting to see because we do know. That we're getting a fourth season, thank goodness, and we do know who the first victim is. And yes, that is taking that they did die in the Arconia. Uh, and, so. you know, yeah, and it seemed like I mean, Jane Lynch's character said she had something to tell. Yep, Charles, Charles. is that is that, and someone was obviously trying to kill Charles, not not her. So, maybe, maybe, maybe I, we don't. You know, yeah, we so, don't. So I mean, that's would, the thing. We don't, they gave, <laughs> well, us, and they she gave was, us a lot to chew yeah. on already, right? And right. she was and seeing I, seeing his ex girlfriend murderer from season one. <laughs> I, well, and you saw like the spelling of the name, like mm-hmm. or something, like it yeah. kind of almost looked like it was a J. So you know, it, it could be. Um, what I'm really curious about is like who we're going to see like pop up star wise, like guess star wise, like, you know, I still really hope like the one I would love to see is Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> I would love oh, to wow. see him on there. I, I would love to see that, but Dick is 98. He and was just at Disneyland. Yes, <laughs> He's still up and- <laughs> <laughs> he, he did uh, the Mary Poppins returns. He last year, um, did a uh, video with his wife where he was singing and dancing and everything else. Like, I mean, he's still up there. He's kicking. I think, I think he'd be cool. Even if like, they just showed him on like the phone. Like, I think that like would a be Mel Brooks. A Mel Brooks. It might, it might almost be too much, but man, I would love to see, uh, like if I had a dream, you know, cast sheet in front of me, 
I would be like, if there if there's any way that you can work Carol Burnett into this, mm-hmm. that would be please do really so great. because she was, she was great in the final season of Better Call Saul. She was. I yeah. mean, she still. Yeah. I mean, she still is alive and kicking and 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 great. Um, and this is exactly the kind of thing that I could see her nailing if she got a decent enough part like you know like something not just a cameo but something like i mean i don't know i don't know it would be interesting to see if she's the killer but um you know uh it could be fun it could be a lot of fun to have well, we see joy come back with scott bacula <laughs> and scott go oh boy and then yeah <laughs> that would would be a good one too yeah Uh, yeah yeah. the two uh yeah two guys heading out it would be good to cut i would like to see charles get something more interesting to do i mean last season with him and his sort of sort of stepdaughter whatever um that was great like you guys said i missed her um andrea martin you know was no that storyline was no comparison to yeah. what he what mm-hmm. they did with him last so and i love I, you know i love her too so yeah mm-hmm. she's all right um oh, wonderful yeah um but like yeah but she she was kind of one note in this yeah uh like just one note the crazy um, fish lady <laughs> yeah exactly mm-hmm. um uh, but she can still bring it i mean this some yeah. of the scenes between them were still really good especially the breakup scene and everything mm-hmm. was really well done um so they i mean i don't think they have a they don't have a problem getting talented people right. no. to, to go on the show and do really good work um, i think and, that it's more of a struggle on who to invite like don't have too many of them yes. like so Absolutely. like i actually i'd love to see nathan lang come back i, I mean just, <laughs> like i was just thinking that <laughs> so you know we saw we saw his son but we didn't get to see him this year this season so uh along with steve martin john hoffman is a co-creator of the show and he's he's he is right there um writing uh he co-wrote the last episode of this season uh he's right there along most of the other people who wrote or directed have uh, been involved since season one as well so the crew is uh behind the scenes is pretty sharp and and they're you know i hope that doesn't change as well yeah. uh because i don't think they're getting stale i don't mm-hmm. think that this is like a show that like you know i mean it, heck if they wanted to go five seasons i wouldn't complain because i think that they've just done an amazing job and it doesn't show any signs of wear as far as i'm concerned mm-hmm. i love um, this a lot about this season i thought you know and i'm gonna just go out and say this you know the whole thing when they finally revealed that it was the son who was who pushed them and everything like that, I thought it was a little anticlimactic. Oh, don't jump, don't jump, you know, right in the middle of the performance. That was for me, that was the only weak point of the season and everything. I thought everything else clicked, everything with the mother, everything else with, you know, Paul Rudd's character and the brother, and you know, it was just awesome. It was the actress playing time. Donna. I was really like impressed with from the start. She's yeah. she had a very strong character, yeah. mm-hmm. very much so. And, and that's that's what the actor me. who played Cliff. I thought it was interesting. Like I know him from Smash, primarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was in there, but I thought it was an interesting 
um, to see him in that context. But I also think, though, he um, trying to give him that particular scene, mm-hmm. I think they were trying to give him something more to do because, mm-hmm. like, we hadn't – he's supposed to be the killer – but then again, we hadn't really seen him. He hadn't yeah. really played a role. So like this was like his his character mm-hmm. in just like one scene. So yeah, I think if they would have somehow introduced him more and maybe cut down that like, I'm going to jump out of the hole in the roof yeah. scene, yeah, exactly. that would have been better. Yeah. But it yeah. Was, it was funny, the scene, so... With both, you know, Charles and Oliver having to run up the spiral staircase to go. That would be me. Oh, I don't like, like, why are they all go. going up when he's he might be coming down? Someone should be on the bottom. To... <laughs> I, I was <laughs> waiting for somebody to pull some kind of prop out that yeah. was like um <laughs> like uh, one of those big like firemen uh <laughs> like things in and the cartoons you know what they yeah. should have done they should have grabbed one of the baby carriages of the triplets oh, yeah <laughs> yeah that would have been awesome like actually let him fall like i think that would have been that would have been really funny mm-hmm. um my favorite part of that whole sequence though is when you know charles realizes what's going on up there and he takes off and then they <laughs> cut back to the audience and and uh uh what's the name Muma says like what's going on this is a weird play or whatever and, and matthew broderick says you know yeah but that's exactly how a scandinavian would run it's like man they are they're just like nailing it like this is yeah. like boom that's the yeah, punch exactly. right there and that is one thing about steve martin's character this year we got to see him do more of his like physical comedy stuff which i i thought was funny so. That is, yeah, that was, that's always great. My favorite still is in the first season, though, when he was poisoned and they oh. had a baby carriage. So, yeah. you know, and then in his mind, he claimed, I was just faking it. That's right. We're on to you. And then they switched <laughs> to reality. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, what's yeah. he doing? I don't one last thing i was i didn't think we were gonna see detective donna again and so when she no. burst in yes i was so happy and the fact that she's like a huge musical fan yeah. yes like yeah. and and i i love that they played back into that like uh, from mm. it was season was it season one or season it was season two when she, all of a sudden she broke into a course line mm. <laughs> i'm like are they gonna play into that and it, it played an important role in yeah. this season like so I thought that was fun. I, I like. Yeah, it was the it was the they... first it was the first win that the three of them had as as uh, so when, once they got back together podcasting because it was a really surprise win too because it was like you know you thought they were just being silly about mm-hmm. trying to break you know trying to overhear the uh, interrogations in the room and then they were just but it was all a plot to try to get a camera in there and I was like that's because they knew she was yeah, going to they... have to leave because she really wanted to see him try to do the patter song. I was like, this is. Mm-hmm. That was that was really well done. Mm-hmm. And it was like they did something; they were competent. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Competent. Like they did something they meant to do. Yeah. <laughs> well, and even even Mabel's character, like, says, surprisingly, you did yes. that well. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. She's like, oh my god, you, know, uh, you guys did great, you know. <laughs> and it was like, it, and it hurt her to say that to them. Yeah. Which was awesome. Yeah. 
definitely. Well, we have no idea when, I mean, we know that the fourth season is uh, on the books, but we have no idea when it might be here. I mean, I think as we're talking, right, the the, the actors are still on strike. So yeah. uh, that's not going to be resolved probably. Well, we don't know. But um, so uh, hopefully we get it, you know, this time next year, maybe um, if, but, you know, fingers crossed. Uh, they are writing so, it. They did say the writers are back at work writing the fourth season. So right. So uh, so with the with the the third season behind us and the series prodding along as it is, uh, what do you guys are you guys excited for the fourth season? Uh, and uh, do you want to see it go even longer? Yeah, very much yeah, so. Definitely. Yeah, I'm excited. You know, I take it season by season. I figure this is a team that knows you know, when, when to stop, you know, is when enough is enough. I don't think that they'll drag it out beyond its natural life, but certainly if they, if they find, you know, if they find justification to, to keep it going a few more seasons, then I'll be happy to watch it whenever it comes around. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, even just the length of the episodes themselves, having them be a half an hour long rather than the traditional hour, I think mm-hmm. shows that they are very hyper aware of like, we can only do this for so long. Yeah. <laughs> so like once it becomes stale, um, they won't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. Well, the, um, episodes, the episodes often end before I'm ready for them to, to end. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's, it, yes. that's good to be, it's, Absolutely. it's good to be in that mode. Absolutely. And, and we're going to take that cue and we're going to, and we're not going to take that. We're going to not have this segment go any longer than it needs to go. So, but we do have you on record that saying that you guys are excited for season four and that you'll be back on to join us to talk all about season four when it comes on. So, (laughs) so that being said, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to close out the show. Hi, this is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. For all you Taylor Swift fans out there, this is the big week when her The Eras concert tour film hits theaters. So hopefully if you are a fan, you've had an easier time getting tickets to see this movie than to see the actual show, which could be quite hard to come by from what I hear and also rather pricey. So I think it is nice that this gives fans a chance to see something. Even though I'm not necessarily like a Taylor Swift fan, I feel kind of neutral. Like some songs I enjoy, but I'm not like a huge super fan. Even I'm kind of thinking about seeing this just because it seems to be a big cultural moment. So could be something interesting to see. Also coming up soon at the theaters is Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. Super interested in this one. Um, yeah, just interested anytime you can have a film about a deeper topic um, based on a historical setting. I am a little put off by how long it is. I feel like recently I've been more into movies that hit around like the 90 minute to two hour mark that tell a more concise story. It's rare that I find a film that I feel like, man, yeah, that sure needed to be three and a half hours, but we will, we shall see. And that's kind of it for the big screen over on the small screen. Ahsoka just wrapped up. I haven't gotten a chance to see it yet. Loki just started, so lots keeping people busy on 
Disney Plus. I've heard some mixed things about both those series, so I'm feeling good about my decision to kind of wait until they're both out and then watch them in a row on Disney Plus and see how the stories work in a more holistic setting. Also very much enjoying The Great British Baking Show over on Netflix. It's the perfect cozy fall show and looking forward to writing a little bit more about it over on my blog on the ESO podcast website this week. Hi, this is Jim Adams from Monster Attack inviting you to join us every Monday night at 5 o'clock for an all-new episode of Monster Attack. For the last seven years, we've been talking about these wonderful movies that we grew up with as monster kids. So join us every Monday at 5 p.m. right here on the ESO Network. Hey, everybody. Michelle here with an iconic rock talk show moment. July 13th, 1985, the world saw something happen, nothing quite like it had ever happened before, and it's pretty sure that nothing quite like it will ever happen again. We're talking, of course, about the Live Aid concert, which is now the topic of a new jukebox musical, which is called Just for One Day. It will premiere at London's Old Vic Theatre in January of next year, currently scheduled to run through March. It's written by John O'Farrell, who wrote the Mrs. Doubtfire musical, and directed by Luke Shepard, who directed the London production of In the Heights and Something Rotten. It is a behind-the-scenes look at how Live Aid came together, testimony of those who were in attendance, and a love story based on real events. As you can guess, uh, they were not very confident about approaching Bob Geldof for approval, but they told him, our dads have never stopped talking about this day, and we think it's theater. Uh, probably giving 10% of the ticket sales proceeds to the Live Aid Trust, which, yes, is still a thing. Um, That probably helped quite a bit. Uh, It is a jukebox musical, but uh, as Bob Geldof takes great pains to stress, stress, nobody uh, is dressed up and acting as the performers. There's nobody dressed as Freddy with a crap mustache. Thank God for that. Um, but there will be somebody playing Bob Geldof. It's, uh, Craig Ells, who played Carvinista on Doctor Who. Uh, I don't know if anybody's playing Majure. I haven't seen that Majure has said anything one way or another about this. I don't know what he thinks. Um, there's kind of mixed reaction to this. I got to, uh, say that I agree. And that's speaking as someone who was glued to the screen all day from morning to night that day, um, remembers it fondly. I have the, uh, DVDs of it. Yes, I'm a boomer. Um, but does the world really need another jukebox musical? And another thing, um, that has opened discussion about this, and it's probably a good thing, is that the attitude towards aid, Uh, particularly to African nations, the philosophy has changed since 1985. Um, As this plot description presents it, it's, it's about us and our experience. This is not at all about um, the actual impact on citizens of Ethiopia or the African continent. So is there going to be an African voice in this and how does this address Uh, how this actually impacted Africa. So we will see when it, when it premieres. Um, They are hoping of course, that it goes to the London stage and to Broadway. So we'll see how it goes. This has been the iconic rock talk show moment and we'll catch you next time.
I love that Star Trek does what adventure programs do. It's fun characters going on adventures, wearing colorful outfits, but it tries to be more than that. It tries to say something more about humanity and tries to encourage us to be better people. I love that it gives a really positive and really hopeful view of the future. I like that you never know what you get with Trek from Captain Pike to Picard to Captain Proton. I like the Ferengi. <laughs> Earth Station Trek, a show where we talk about Star Trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about some of my favorite spooky reads for the season. It's October, and that means many want to get into the spooky mood of the season. And for me, that means making a nice hot cup of tea and sitting down with a fun, spooky book. Some of my favorite reads during this time are mostly horror, but also a few season-appropriate stories added in there that may not be scary, but are just really, really fun. For the horror, I love reading any of Junji Ito's comic horror anthologies. Short spooky stories that leave you wondering what could happen next are my favorites. And add to add into that with Junji Ito's super creepy art style, and it's such a delight for the imagination and the eyes. Flesh-colored horror is my favorite of his anthologies. That one is out of print, but you can find um, screen, screen caps of it online to read. It's been out of print now for probably 20 years. So being able to go and read it online is, is a very viable option. I also love his horror anthology Fragments of Horror. It's, you know, short stories aren't your thing. Then his longer form Uzumaki story is also a really creepy read. And it's three or four volumes. I think you can actually get a giant compiled volume now of it as well. I know this will sound super cliche, but I always pull out my giant, full Edgar Allan Poe collection at this time of the year and either read through it all or I pick and choose which stories I want to read. Poe wrote a lot of different genres other than horror, which is what he's famous for, which I may talk about in another segment, but he's best known for his horror stories, his short stories, and his poems and was very, very much not revered in his lifetime like he is today. So it's always a great read to pull out my giant collective volume and read some of those shorts or poems during this time of year. As for not very scary, I love pulling out at least one book from the Practical Magic series and reading it during this time of year. Did you know there's an entire series of books about the witch family that the movie Practical Magic is based off of? And they're such a great series of books. I would highly recommend checking out the other books. Practical Magic is very different from the movie and is probably my least favorite of the books in the series, but getting to read about the other family members of the past and their stories is so much fun. I also generally pull out a Goosebumps book around this time and read at least one of them. They're very short and you can generally finish it in one to two sittings. They're fun reads with a very campfire-esque story feel. So it's always a really fun time to sit down and just get that whole story in one to two sittings. Thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. that's going to wrap up another episode of the earth station one podcast I want to thank everyone for joining us tonight felicity it's awesome to have you back on the show oh it's always a pleasure and uh, i missed you at dragon con so it's nice to see your face again 
it, I missed you guys too. And it was funny. I was talking to Kevin and, you know, we were so pathetic. You know, we went up to Asheville for the weekend and everything while you guys were, you know, dragon conning it and everything. Yeah. What did you do at the house? We watch dragon con TV, you know? <laughs> so, you know, it's good to know that we could stream all the way up in the mountains and everything. But so it was <laughs> worth it. Anything you want to shout out about or much? Um, no, I've done a little more fill-in work on the on the Flockcast recently, as uh, schedules permit. Sometimes Cornflake isn't able to be on, so I'll 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 be uh, filling in for her whenever I can. But I think that there's some more fun stuff ahead for the Flockcast, and they're going to have uh, our friend Chris Cummins from Sci-Fi Explosion on again soon. Uh, we just have loved getting to spend time with him at DragonCon, and he's so funny and just kind of his brain works the same same way, even and perhaps even even a little bit more bizarre <laughs> than, than Kevin's <laughs> does. Very much so. I kind of agree with that. And but you know, I love what you guys are doing on the Flopcast, and you know, it's always great to uh, you know escape reality by going back to the worlds of Dynamite Magazine and yeah. <laughs> but, and chickens. That's always a and good thing. There will always be chickens, chickens in the news. Exactly. And Sarah, you made it through your first episode with us. Congrats. I did. Yay. Okay. We're yeah. Welcome. And I do want to say you were definitely missed at Dragon Con. Um, one of these years, I'll see you in person at Dragon Con, hopefully. Um, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <not. laughs> Uh, but um, as far as me, like uh, you can find me rambling about theater quite a bit um, on my uh, Dragon Con theater group. Um, I won't go too much about that. But other than that, yeah, no, I, I enjoy this. I, I'd love to do more. So definitely. You have an open door, my friend. You have an open door. Definitely. Thank you. No problem. And we'll have a link up to your group up on our show notes also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Dragon Con theater and performing arts lovers unofficial um we do online panels and stuff like that so as i said they do some amazing work folks they do yeah. some great great stuff and if you're a theater lover obviously you know by watching what we watched this year you know you know yeah. and they might we're, and we're doing we're doing getting ready to do one here about horror theater on the 19th we got a celebration of wicked's 20th anniversary and uh we might be doing one about uh, techs um, called Techies Do It in the Dark uh, <laughs> 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 coming up here at the end of November. So, yeah, no, we That's have some fun, plus, some fun stuff planned. That's awesome. And Mr. Mike, we've made it through another one, my friend. We did. And as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? Uh, I do. Um, uh, the couple about a month ago or so um we were reviewing um strange new worlds and i did a shout out because i was uh awesome uh, it was a big honor for me to be included in a new book edited by jim beard for becky books called galloping around the cosmos memories of tv's wagon train to the stars from today's grown-up kids it's basically a bunch of essays about uh people uh us kids growing up watching the original star trek series uh, whether it's in syndication or when it aired originally, et cetera, et cetera, or when we discovered it, that kind of thing. Um, it is, uh, the book is out. It is available on Amazon. Uh, it is uh, $11 for a hard copy. Um, I think it's cheaper than that if you get uh, the digital copy on Kindle, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but uh, I, am, I am beyond thrilled 
to uh, be have my essay in print alongside. I mean, the names here uh, besides uh, myself are are awesome. Uh, Deep Keith DiCandido, um, Nancy Holder, uh, Tom Brevort, uh, Jim Beard, of course, Alan Porter, Van Allen Plexico, uh, the award-winning Bobby Nash, our good friend there. Uh, Andrew Leyland, Paul Kupperberg, a bunch of other people. I mean, it's just amazing to me that uh, I was able to to uh, have my piece sit alongside these 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 great talents. So uh, the book is available now. Uh, if you like Star Trek uh, or if you just like reminiscing about the past, uh, please uh, check it out. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm really, really happy about it. It's awesome. sir, and congrats for writing that story. Very impressed. Thanks. All right, I'm going to bring the show down a little bit. Um, sorry to do this, but I would be amiss if I did not bring up what's going on in Israel right now. And, you know, being woken up early, and I do mean early, almost before dawn on Saturday by people texting me and news stories about the horror that's going on in that country right now. And, you know, I'll be perfectly frank with you guys i was supposed to in a week and a half be going there on a trip and we were going to be there for two weeks on a tour and we had to cancel it obviously because of what's going on there Mm. and it's heartbreaking seeing what's happening this killing and slaughtering of people of children of women of civilians on both sides and i'm not saying just israeli i'm also saying palestinian it's horrible on for everything and yes i know people are gonna go well it's war mike you know things like this happen no this does not just happen this was just this was a planned slaughter and it was ruthlessly done by terrorists who are not they're cowards these folks are people who, you know, will will have their own people killed to protect themselves. They hide in, you know, populated areas. So when the military comes looking for them, they know there's going to be civilian deaths. And it's it's horrible. It's horrible. And I feel for it. And, you know, it's just not, you know... It's not cool what's going on over there. And there's people who are joking about it. There's people who are making fun of it. And it's not cool. I've had to already defriend two people on Facebook oh, because of shit. Yeah, mm. and We're just, yeah. Go we ahead. Had such an atmosphere of, you know, anti-Semitism coming back in a big way in the U.S. already. So this is just kind of, this is on top of that. It's just devastating. I can't imagine anyone joking about it. And, but they are, and it's, it's not cool. This is, you know, as I've seen, this is the most deaths of Jewish people in one day since the Holocaust. And it's, you know, and it's not over. This is just the beginning. And I think it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. It's not going to disappear in a couple of days. It's not going to be, oh, it's just a flare up. No, this is war, folks. And prayers and hopes, donations 
to organizations over there because there's portions and families who will never be back to normal. And, you know, there's people, Americans were killed during this. And it's, you know, there's other nationalities too. It's just not Israelis that are paying the price and it's horrible. And you know what? This is not a cool thing to happen. And I know we had a great show. It's been very upbeat and everything, but this has been on the back of my mind for many days now. And this is my pulpit to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the area and time to be able to, you know, have fun, but also to be able to say, hey, folks, you know, there's people out there not as fortunate as we are here in the United States. And we, I know we have listeners all over the world. And I know I've seen the numbers. We do have listeners in Israel. We do have, you know, the Palestinian areas over in the West Bank. We do have listeners in Egypt and Jordan and all the countries in Libya and Lebanon and, you know, all the different countries. And you know what? Our prayers are out for all of them because there's nowhere that's going to be safe right now over there. And, you know, I know... Hug your loved ones tonight, folks. If you you don't even have to be Jewish to feel for this, because these are just people, and that's what's the the bad thing about it. And there's children on both sides who are losing their parents, who are losing brothers, sisters, and you know what? Anytime that happens, that sucks. It's hard. It's horrible. It's a travesty. And you know what? screw it you know this is how we're going to end the show tonight i don't want to go further i don't think we need to go further let's close it with that i don't think we need to do closing credits or whatever thank you guys for being here thank you guys for watching but i just want to end it tonight peace that's what we really need right now love you all bye